Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Today is Monday, December 21st, 2020, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are continuing our study on Lifeline's statement of faith, and today we are looking specifically at the third statement in our statement of faith, which states that we believe that Jesus Christ is the one and only begotten Son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and is fully God and fully man. And we believe that this study is so important, not just that we have these statements, but that we know where these statements are coming from, and we know the importance of these statements. And beloved, this statement is so foundational to our faith and who we are as believers. This is so foundational. Pastor R.C. Spruill, who passed away several years ago, uh, but was the, the founder of Ligonier Ministries and a pastor in Orlando, he says this about this statement. He says, The church stands strong and unconquerable as long as it remains committed to its confession that Jesus is the Christ. A loss of confidence as to the true identity of Jesus does not disrupt merely the external trappings of the church. It disrupts the church's foundation. We who confess the name of Christ what must remain firm in our conviction that he is God in the flesh. And this leads us to Matthew's gospel, chapter 16. And beginning in verse 13, it says that Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, who do you say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so up until this point, Jesus knew that there were those that were going around wondering who he was, guessing who he was. And he asked the disciples, almost like a straw poll, well, who do people say that I am? And you've got to remember when they say John the Baptist, this is after John the Baptist has been beheaded. They, others say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So they're willing to confess that Jesus could be the second coming of John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But then he comes to them, he says, but, but who do you say that I am? The personal question comes to the disciples, right to the, the heart of the matter. Not who does everyone else say that I am, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, who tended to be the, the outspoken and, and also the one who would speak on behalf of the disciples, says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjana, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You see, Peter here confesses that, that Jesus was not just a prophet. He wasn't just a priest, and he wasn't just a king, but he was the son of God. Peter, not even understanding as clearly as he would later what he was saying, knew that Jesus was God. And notice, he doesn't just say, you are God. He says, you are the living God, the son of the living God. Jesus is the son of the eternally existent, supreme, and omniscient God. And 
Jesus knows Peter didn't just come up with this important theological statement on his own, but it was revealed to him by the Father. And this was the most scandalous claim about Jesus ever made. And, and Peter makes this claim, and it's scandalous that he would make this claim. And if you think about it, others thought he was the second coming of John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah or another one of the prophets. But it's scandalous to say that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And, and it would be scandalous if only Peter had said it. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus also made this claim about himself over and over as recorded in the Gospels. And even in Mark 14, 61 through 62, Jesus is before the high priest and he has the opportunity to come off this claim. He knows what is before him. If he sits on the claim that he is the son of God, that he is the Christ, then he will be crucified. He will be tortured. He will be beaten. He has the moment, the, the opportunity to back off the scandalous claim that he's made, that others have made about him. And in Mark chapter 14, verse 61 and 62, it says that Jesus remained silent and made no answer to all the accusations. And so again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? In other words, are you the Messiah? Are you the chosen one? Are you the son of God? And Jesus says, verse 62, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power, coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest rips his clothes, doesn't know what to do. And absolutely, Jesus is crucified for the claim. Jesus claimed here in many other places that he was indeed Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. And not only here does Jesus answer in the affirmative, he also uses the I am statement in his answer to the straightforward question of the high priest. In other words, Jesus was not just saying he was godlike. He was saying that he was the God of creation who spoke the world into existence and the God who spoke to Moses in the burning bush, revealing himself as Yahweh, the great I am. This was so scandalous and it offended the religious establishment of the high priest. They were looking for a Messiah who would make Israel great again. They were looking for a Savior who would affect primarily their national and physical security. They were looking for a Messiah who would bring about border control. But Jesus came claiming that he was indeed the Messiah and that he came to establish not an earthly kingdom with physical borders, but an eternal kingdom without any border. And today, we can also be sure that Jesus was who he said he was and whom Peter confessed him to be. You see, Jesus fulfilled over 300 messianic prophecies. The mathematical probability of fulfilling just eight is one in 10 to the 17th power. The mathematical probability of fulfilling 16 is the chance of one in a 10 to the 45th power. Many have described it this way. Just for Jesus to fulfill some of these prophecies would be like filling the state of Texas two inches deep with quarters, taking one quarter and marking an X on it, and then taking a blindfolded man, dumping him in the state of Texas and believing that he could bring that quarter out on his first try. According to a math professor, Peter Stoner, he says any man who rejects Christ as the son of God is rejecting a fact proved perhaps more absolutely than any other fact in the world. Isaiah chapter nine, verses two through seven tells us this about Jesus. 
The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, and they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as at the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of the host will do it. You see, Jesus didn't come, just like this said, just to make Israel great again. But he came to set up a kingdom, to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. It isn't just important that a person believes, therefore, in Jesus, but it matters what we believe about Jesus. Many people think Jesus was a good man who did great things but they simply cannot believe that he is God. Well, Jesus was either who he says he was, meaning he was truly God, or he was a liar or a lunatic. He cannot be just a good man who said he was God. If a good man that seemed pretty nice went around saying that they were doing miracles in 2020 and that they could heal us of COVID-19, I guarantee you we would put them in a hospital. He was either who he said he was, he was a liar, or he was a lunatic. And the thing is, the gospel we preach is not good news if we don't include and believe that Jesus is the one and only begotten Son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and is fully God and fully man. You see, Jesus Christ himself is the gospel. And like loose threads in a tapestry, if you pull at any one of these, the entire gospel will unravel. If the Christ we trust and preach is not qualified to save us, we have a false Christ. If at any point he ceased to be all that he is as God, the cosmos would disintegrate. For he is the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. If Jesus was a mixture of deity and humanity, then he would not be truly or fully human and therefore would no longer be one of us and able to act as our representative and substitute. He could neither save sinners nor support saints. This is why Hebrews emphasizes that Christ possesses a humanity identical to ours, apart from sin. No mixing or confusing here. Jesus was not a part God, part man. Jesus was not just a good man. Jesus was fully God and fully man. And we must be careful of anyone who lessens or changes this foundational truth of who Jesus is. You see, Mormons distort Jesus to be a perfected, glorified, holy man who was born to a mortal biological father. They see him as a super prophet. Jehovah's Witnesses believe Jesus was the archangel Michael. Oneness Pentecostals believe that Jesus and God are separate and that Jesus is the only real person of the Godhead. God the Father is in heaven as a spiritual being and Jesus was God on earth. Many other religions and even agnostics acknowledge that Jesus lived a very special life. 
but deny that he is God who took on flesh to free us from the power of sin and death through his life, death, and resurrection. It matters that our team, that our families we partner with, and that our volunteers have an orthodox view of Jesus and the gospel because we are being entrusted to disciple children and lead them toward the Jesus of the Bible. And so there are four essential elements of our view of Jesus that we see in this statement. First, Jesus is God's fulfillment of his plan for redemption as promised through Israel. Jesus is the Christ. The New Testament affirms that Jesus is Israel's Messiah. John states that this is the purpose of his gospel book. John chapter 20, verse 31, John ends his book this way. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, Jesus is God's fulfillment of his plan for redemption. But then second, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is both fully man and fully God. Jesus is a unique, eternally pre-existing, co-equal member of the Trinity. He was not created. He is one with God, existing as a distinct person of a unique triunity. John starts off his gospel this way in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, the Logos, was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the Son of God. He is fully God and fully man. He created all things. But third, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is rule and reigner because he holds exclusive claim. The New Testament writer used the same name for God from the Old Testament. They applied these texts to Jesus, confirming his deity while retaining a distinct identity from God the Father. Yet for us, there is one God the Father from whom all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Jesus is Lord. But then the fourth essential element of our view of Jesus is this. Jesus provided for the propitiation of sin. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice who fully appeases the righteous judgment of God. Jesus was uniquely qualified to be the atoning sacrifice for sin. Paul tells the Philippians in chapter 2 of Philippians verse 5, Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and and being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For all have sinned, beloved, and fallen short of the glory of God, and we need the propitiation of sin. God satisfied his own wrath by his own action in the death, burial, and resurrection of the fully God and fully man Jesus. Therefore, beloved, this foundational truth in our statement of faith leads us like none other to preach and to manifest the gospel. This truth propels us in everything that we do in a ministry. 
It's this truth that, that changes us from being altruistic or humanitarian into being gospel-centered and ministry-directed. This truth fuels our gospel proclamation. It fuels the methods and it fuels the ministry. Without it, we lose the engine of who we are. And so I want us in closing to see four ways the supremacy of Christ fuels our gospel proclamation, our methods, and our ministry. First, Jesus alone is able to remove our sin and to restore us to God. And we look at who Jesus is. We see his humanity. We see the humility of Christ. We see the pattern we are to follow as we care for those who are physically and spiritually oppressed by sin. We see Jesus and we see the way that we are to care for the humble. We are to care for the vulnerable. We are to care for the weak. We follow Jesus because he alone is able to restore us and to remove our sin. But we also see his deity. We know that the power we need comes not from ourselves, but from Jesus, who is fully God, the perfect prophet, priest, and king. We need him. We are powerless without him. We have no way to truly change the course of anyone's life. Only God is able to remove sin and ultimately restore us to God, and that is Jesus. But the second way the supremacy of Christ fuels our gospel proclamation, our methods, and our ministry is that Jesus lived the life that we could not live. Jesus lived the life that we could not live. You see, 1 John 3, 5 says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. Jesus, just like us, was fully tempted by sin, except he didn't sin. No, he fully triumphed over sin. As perfect man, he alone is able to substitute for human sin. As perfect God, he alone is able to satisfy divine judgment. Beloved, the exchanged life of Christ frees us from the power of sin and its eternal effects. We don't model ourselves to vulnerable children. And we don't need families who think they are saviors. We don't need volunteers who think they're the greatest of role models. We don't need teammates that think that they are the, the end-all, be-all. No, we all need to point to the only one who is worthy of our praise and the true hope of the vulnerable, the true hope of the orphan, and that is Jesus. He's the one who lived the life that we could not live, and he is the one that we point the eyes of the vulnerable to because he is supreme. But the third way the supremacy of Christ fuels our gospel proclamation, our, our methods, and our ministry is that Jesus died the death we deserved to die. 1 Peter 2, 23-24 says, He was reviled, and he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. The essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. Man asserting himself against God and putting himself where only God deserves to be. Oh, but the essence of salvation was that God substituted himself for man. God sacrifices himself for man and puts himself where only man deserves to be. At the cross, God expressed his judgment upon sin, endures his own judgment against sin, and therefore enables salvation for sinners. This is the good news of the gospel, which must be preached. 
It is God who fully satisfies the penalty of our sin. Those we serve need to know there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Freedom for the vulnerable doesn't come through treatment programs, counseling, adoption, foster care. It doesn't come through parenting classes. It doesn't even come with relationship with another human. No, true freedom comes with an authentic relationship through a transformed life in Christ Jesus. If we are setting the eyes of the vulnerable on us, if we are setting the eyes of the vulnerable in hope of a program or in hope of a, of a plan that is devoid of Christ, then we are setting their hope on something that will fail. Jesus is the bedrock truth. He is the one, he is the supreme one on whom we should be putting the hope of the vulnerable. But the fourth way the supremacy of Christ fuels our gospel proclamation, our methods, and our ministry is that Jesus conquered the enemy that we cannot conquer. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 through 18. John the Revelator says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Oh, beloved, Jesus is Lord over life and death. Jesus is Lord over sin and Satan. Jesus is Lord over you, me, and the world. Jesus brings a sweet victory that won't last but for a moment. And it isn't subject to change. No, Jesus brings a victory that is permanent and final. In a time and place where the effects of sin and the fallen world are abundantly clear for the whole world to see, we come and we need victory. And that victory only comes through Jesus, who is the one and only begotten Son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and is fully God and fully man. So, beloved, Let's take this glorious gospel to the orphan. Let's take this glorious gospel to the vulnerable child. Let's take this glorious gospel to the foster child. Let's take this glorious gospel to the pregnant woman. Let's take this glorious gospel to the family that's lost their children to foster care. And brothers and sisters, let's take this beautiful, glorious gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. Thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. Today, we are praying for the country of Peru. We are praying for our Peru adoption program. We currently have no active families, and we want to just truly evaluate the future of the program and how we can grow and advance in Peru with both adoption as well as strategic orphan care through unadopted. We also are praying for the people of Peru. It has been deeply impacted by COVID-19, and we pray for all of the precious people of Peru. We pray for the government of Peru and the central authority, DGA, to make wise decisions about orphan care. We pray specifically for the newest director of adoption, and we pray that this administration will work in the best interest of all children involved. We pray for the children of Peru, that they would hear the gospel and would also be sustained in their times of difficulty and waiting. Pray for the church to, to truly uh, grow its impact throughout Peru and that many people would come to saving faith in Christ. Pray for the government to create better advocacy policies for the children to be declared abandoned, to be eligible for adoption, or to be reunited with biological families. 
We pray for the children at Not Forgotten and for Jean and Patty as they lead the staff who care for the boys at their home in the Amazon. We pray for wisdom over the Peru team, for Josh and Farah and Beth and Meredith. We pray as they evaluate what the future of the program will look like and they navigate decisions moving forward. Let's pray. Father God, we certainly do pray for the country of Peru. We pray from the dense, arid desert all the way to the lush jungles of the Amazon. We ask that you would be with every person who bears your image, the image of God upon them. And we pray that you would help them to come and to know the God that made them and formed them in Jesus Christ, his only son, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, who is fully God and fully man. Would they know Jesus? Lord, we pray for these people as they've been deeply impacted by COVID-19. And we pray for healing. And we pray for health. And we pray for restoration. We pray that as that restoration and as that health comes, that the hope of the gospel of Christ Jesus would come as well. Lord, we pray for our team as we evaluate the future of the program and what that will look like and, and, and navigating just decisions as we move forward. We just ask that you would give wisdom and help us to, to see if adoption would continue. We pray for this new director of adoption. We pray that this administration would work for the best interest of children and potentially even open doors up for adoption to continue. We also continue to pray for our strategic orphan care and for unadopted and that we would make wise choices and do wise things and, and help as many children as possible come to see the reality of Christ Jesus. We pray for the government of Peru and for the central authority to make wise decisions about caring for their children. And we do pray for these children that they would hear the gospel and that they would be sustained in their times of difficulty and waiting. We pray for our partner Not Forgotten and for Jean and Patty as they lead the staff who care for the boys deep in the Amazon. We pray for wisdom. We pray for guidance. We pray for understanding. We pray that you would use them and that these boys would be boys that would be instruments of change for your gospel in the country. Lord God, may your gospel spread. May the fame of Jesus spread. And may you use the ministry of Lifeline to make known the great and awesome name of your Son, Jesus the Christ. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study. Music